When the condo tower near Miami started to collapse last week, Albert Aguero and his family were inside. We woke up to a, a thunderous sound. Albert was on the 11th floor of Champlain Tower South in Surfside, Florida. The walls were shaking. They didn't know what was going on. Uh, wife jumped out of bed to make sure that the kids were okay. We looked outside. I called down to the firefighters to ask if, uh, if we should evacuate. They said get out immediately. His side of the building was still intact, so he and his family tried desperately to escape. Uh, when we opened the door and looked to the left, there was um, the, our neighbor's apartment was half gone. Uh, if I looked forward, the elevator shaft is missing, uh, so then we had to run to the nearest stairwell and get out of there. My instinct was to run as far away from the building as possible. And when we got down to the beach, uh, um, I think that's when it really, all really hit me of what had just happened. Albert and his family were some of the lucky ones. At least 16 residents have been declared dead, and at least 147 remain missing. Aside from terrorist attacks like 9-11 or the Oklahoma City bombing, this was the worst building collapse of its kind in the United States. This is really an event that doesn't have any modern precedent. That's our colleague John Camp, who's been covering the collapse. When you are a reporter, you cover plenty of disasters, oftentimes natural disasters. Sometimes, unfortunately, you cover, uh, you know, terrible events that are due to the acts of people. But to have a condominium tower suddenly fall for reasons that are still unclear is, is just something that you don't see. Officials are still working to find and rescue residents in the rubble. As of now, the cause of the collapse remains a mystery. Everybody wants to know why. Why could this happen? How could this happen? Um, not just because of intense curiosity, but because of the question as well, is, is this applicable to, to other buildings? And now, a review of historical documents, eyewitness accounts, and expert assessments is offering possible clues as to why Champlain Towers South collapsed. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, June 30th. Coming up on the show, the potential warning signs that preceded last week's building collapse. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. The building, called Champlain Towers South, was located on the ocean's edge in Surfside, Florida. Surfside is a little sliver of land. It's, it's a tiny town, really, and it is just north of Miami Beach. At the time that Champlain Towers went up, um, you know, Surfside was a, a different community. It was mostly a low-rise community. High-rises were really um, kind of a new phenomenon there. These weren't the first, but they were on the leading edge. Champlain Towers South opened in 1981. It was 13 floors high with 136 units and oceanfront views. 
So this building was um, certainly, you know, had a bit of an 80s look to it. It was a um, a 13-story or 12-story with a penthouse, if you will, uh, oceanfront reinforced concrete building. It had um, balconies, you know, pretty much wrapping around the structure. And uh, it's right there on the oceanfront. It has a big uh, pool deck. If you go back to 1980 and the local press, there's an advertisement for it as they were um, actively selling units there. And they uh, advertised the opportunity to, quote, live the continental life. The newspaper advertisement boasted of saunas, a heated pool, a TV security system, and valet parking. But now, much of the building has turned into a giant pile of rubble. Part of the building is standing and uh, is just a chaotic uh, scene. I mean, you you can see the interior structure. You see just, uh, you know, these floors uh, sheared off um, and, you know, halfway hanging. You can still see furniture and personal effects, you know, hanging out of these floors. Well, we can't say yet what caused the building to collapse, investigators and journalists are looking into the building's history. And they found a number of things that raise questions. The first is as old as the building itself. Back when Champlain Tower South was built, the condos were seen as luxurious, thanks in part to the penthouse on the 13th floor. But technically, there wasn't supposed to be a 13th floor until developers got a special exemption. There was a bit of a debate uh, publicly about whether or not they should be allowed to add a penthouse to the top. And uh, some locals objected to that. Why do people object to that? The penthouse uh, on these buildings slightly exceeded the town's height limit. The town has a height limit on um, buildings, and um, the uh, penthouse ended up pushing up just above that limit. Is there any evidence one way or the other that adding this extra floor, this extra penthouse, had, had anything to do with the collapse? It's a good question. One engineer said that um, certainly adding rooftop apartments would have added significant weight, but that they were accounted for in the revised design. And so uh, we'll leave it to the engineers to you know, pour over those and, and uh, really try and understand if this building was well-supported enough in general. But the concept of a 13-floor condo tower is not highly unusual. Just after the condo tower went up, the structure may have been under duress. Using satellite data, a geophysicist at Florida International University found that from 1993 to 1999, the building sank by two millimeters a year. And the professor who discovered this, uh, uh, found it to be um, pretty surprising. But what's unclear is whether it was the ground beneath the building that was sinking or whether the building sunk due to structural damage. I mean, if something seems to be going down a little bit, the question would be, is that because the surface it's on is going down or is there something in the building changing itself? Because mm-hmm. remember, this was in the 90s. So, we, you know, there's a question mark as to what happened after that. And, you know, these are just all sort of part of the breadcrumbs that are being collected right now. And the biggest warning sign of all... That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, 
whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Back in 2018, Champlain Towers South was nearing its 40-year anniversary, which meant that the high-rise would have to undergo a standard recertification required by Miami-Dade County. The Condo Association hired an outside engineer to assess the property and figure out what kind of um, repairs and what kind of money would need to be spent in order to get through this process. The engineering firm issued two reports. One was nine pages long. You know, there are a range of issues that were, were highlighted, but... Some of the things that were um, a focus were that the uh, what is described as the entrance drive, the pool deck, and the planter waterproofing being laid on a flat surface. And as the engineer report explained, because the reinforced concrete slab is not sloped to drain water away from it, the water then sits on top of the waterproofing until it evaporates. Mm-hmm. And the report called the waterproofing on a flat surface, quote, a systemic issue for this building structure. What does that mean? Well, that it was a significant problem that needed to be addressed. What they said was that failure to replace the waterproofing in the near future would cause the concrete deterioration to expand exponentially. I see. So in other words, like because water is sitting on this flat surface and not draining off of it, there's a chance that it could soak into the concrete below and, and contribute to structural issues? That's what it sounds like. You know, there's a reason why houses generally don't have completely flat roofs. Mm -hmm. And it's because you want to drain water away from things and let gravity help you rather than letting water pool so that evaporation has to uh, do the job. The report called the lack of a drainage slope, which allowed water to puddle on the ground floor pool deck, a, quote, major error in the original plan, though that assessment hasn't been corroborated. One of the original engineers who worked on Champlain Towers South spoke to the journal, and he disputed the idea that the building's design had anything to do with its collapse. Manuel Dorado uh, was an engineer there, and he did work on this project as it was being built. Um, He's now 92 years old, by the way, and... He refuted the criticism of the design and the engineering work. And and what he said was that if there was a major error, it would have surfaced within a year or two. His recollection was that there were no problems that presented themselves in the design process. But he did not specifically remember or recall any discussion about the lack of a water draining slope, which is, of course, the problem that the engineer had ID'd. And the same engineering firm that inspected the building in 2018 issued another report, which painted the building's condition in a better light. That report does seem to paint a bit of a different picture. It's a 14-page report, and it called the structure of the building good, 
on on five measures and noted that there was a lack of issues like bulging or settling. So two reports from the same engineering firm with different conclusions. The firm declined to comment on the more favorable report. Do you have a sense of what the condo board made of these findings? It's hard to say exactly what every individual person digested from this. I think it's important to remember that when you think about how people receive these reports and judge information like this, this was information that was received in a world where buildings don't suddenly fall down for no apparent reason. For this building, for any building where an engineer is pointing out problems like this, you have to ask the question of would people have the context of really understanding that these problems could really pose a significant safety risk? And we do not know if the kind of problems that were identified here are related to why the building fell down. What we know is that they're simply more breadcrumbs, more information that we're gathering about what kind of condition this building was in and what kind of concerns people had prior to this disaster. A spokesman for the board also said that, you know, they hired experts to assess the building and that we're never told by experts that there was an imminent threat. And the people who make up a condo board in this building, like others, they're generally speaking, they're lay people. They're not engineers. Did anyone else get these reports, like town officials, or was it just the condo board? So there is evidence in the email record that shortly after receiving this report, the condo board association sent it to a building official. That building official actually attended a condo association meeting just a couple of days later. And the minutes from that association meeting say that he described the building as appearing to be in, quote, very good shape. On Monday, that official who spoke at that condo meeting was placed on leave from his current job as an interim building official for a nearby city. In the years after the 2018 inspection, the condo association began planning for the repairs, securing a loan and soliciting bids. And in April, the association told condo owners that they would each have to pay roughly $100,000 to cover the cost. And as part of that, the um, president of the condo board, according to the letter that the Wall Street Journal reviewed, um, you know, did uh, tell residents that if that, you know, the concrete damage that had been identified would multiply exponentially and um, had noted that the uh, damage, the observable damage had gotten significantly worse. At the time of the collapse, roof repairs were underway, but concrete restorations had not yet begun. We'll leave it to others to decide whether or not the board was acting fast enough. But there is evidence, certainly, that people on the board recognized that this building needed significant repairs and that they were pushing along in that direction right before the building fell down. It kind of reminds me of buying a house. Like, you get this report from the inspector And it's like, I don't really know how to interpret how serious these issues are. Right. I think that's a good analogy and that anyone who's purchased a home has had that experience or likely had that experience of walking around with an engineer and having them point out the kinds of issues and the kinds of problems there might be. Whether or not you're wondering if the roof is going to fall on you is is a whole other matter. The scope of this and the suddenness of it 
are so extreme that it makes you wonder if there were things happening under the surface, if there were any opportunities at all to see the potential for this problem before it happened, or was it really unavoidable and just all of the sudden? And this is, of course, important to know because this building is fundamentally unremarkable. Right. That's the thing that just seems so terrifying about this collapse. It's just like, this sort of thing just doesn't happen. And so if it can happen to this building, why can't it happen to any other building along the Miami coast or anywhere else in America for that matter? Well, as investigators try and figure out why did this happen, one of the most important reasons to understand why is so that we can unpack whether there are lessons to be learned and that can be applied to either the building of new buildings, but also, importantly, the maintenance of ones of the similar vintage as this. You know, there are plenty of reinforced concrete buildings out there of this age. That's all for today, Wednesday, June 30th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Scott Calvert, Deborah Acosta, Ariane Campo-Flores, Will Parker, Laura Casisto, and Daniela Hernandez. Additional audio for this episode from Alexa Federi. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.